and welcome to TV My Husband Hates. I'm Kat Sims. And I'm Regan Kempton. And we are reality TV addicts. Addicts, uh, aficionados. Ooh, I like that. Experts. Experts. Basically, we know our shit when it comes to reality TV. 100%. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of TV My Husband Hates. How are you doing this week, Kat? Uh... Good. I mean, <laughs> I'm great. I um, Breaking news. The UK has just gone into, announced it's going into another nationwide lockdown as of Thursday. So, um, you know, that aside, everything's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. The city of Denver has upped their safer at home measures. They're at a level three now. So some things are closing within Denver proper, but we're outside. So it has nothing to do with us. It so is, life is as crazy normal times. as 2020 can be. I know the 2020 really is the gift that keeps punching you in the fucking face. Isn't it? It is. It's the punch in the nuts here. <laughs> it really is every day. It's like morning, wake up, brush teeth, punch in the nuts. <laughs> Uh, But you know what? Listen, I've got till Thursday, so I'm going to get my nails done. My eyebrow lady is coming on Monday. Uh, I'm going for lunch in Brighton on Tuesday. I'm going to live my best life until Thursday. And then on Thursday, I'm going to buy a Peloton. And I don't care what my husband says. (laughs) I think it's going to help with everybody's mental health. (laughs) I Um, I think mental health is is worth gold right now. And I think anything that you can do, I mean, it's kind of like we've always talked about, you know, like the first year you have a baby and you just throw money at the problem. Yeah. Like any problem, the sleep experts, the lactation experts, like it doesn't matter. You're just making it rain money that year. That's locked down as well. And if you can do something that will boost your endorphins and help your mental health, like fucking do it. If it's a workout from home, if it's being able to walk outside for those two hours of light, like everybody just do what you can. Well, and let's make no bones about it. It's not just about my mental health. I mean, I have been packing on the lockdown pounds. So if the Peloton means that I can, you know, shed a few pounds and listen, I love my body, whatever size and shape it is a hundred percent, but I would like to feel fitter. Um, Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. No messing. I'm on it. Nice work. Well, I hope it helps with all mental health and buttoning up jeans. Yeah, because those are two too. things that everybody needs right now. Absolutely. Um, so we are back with four shows this week. We've picked up another oh, one. We did. We finally. I finally got Cat to watch Southern Charm, <laughs> and it's going in the lineup. I want to know. I want to be clear. I was a bit of a douche about this just because I, Reagan was like, it's really good. Like you should watch. I was like, listen, I'm not interested. And I think it was, I don't know why I get something in my head and I will not be told. And the only reason I ended up watching it eventually was because I'd literally watched Hey You. I'd watched the whole Uh of Hey You and I had nothing to watch while I was doing the laundry (laughs) or making the beds or whatever it is you have to do. So I thought, fine, fuck it. And I'd even done Selling Sunset. So I was like, oh, fuck, I better do some, I'll watch Southern Charm. Within 35 seconds, I was like, I am all over this. So I owe you an apology, but we are back. It's in, we are loving it. And it will be our last show on the lineup this week. Yes. But Um, first off, 
Yep. Shall we chat about uh, the Real Housewives of Potomac? I mean, let's. Let's, do you know what? Let's get Monique and let's just get this bit out of the way because frankly, I've just been told I'm going back into lockdown. My husband's been away for a week. He's supposed to be back tonight. He's not because I don't know if I mentioned it, uh, but also I had to get my youngest a COVID test yesterday because (laughs) she's coughing her lung up. So while we wait for those results to come back, he's in a hotel about 150 yards away. So I'm ready for a fight. So let's do Monique and fucking lazy mums. All right. Well, let's do it. Why don't you go ahead and get started? Well, as you know, I have a real problem <laughs> with the whole branding of this particular message. Um, but it's fucking awful. Turns out everybody else thinks it's a pile of shit as well because you can't sell any fucking tickets. Nope. She is out a lot of money for uh, bankrolling her live podcast event. Can I just say, though, we have a podcast. Um, this is true. Uh, I have done lots of events before. I am absolutely 100% certain that I could put a podcast, a live podcast event on for 300 people potentially for a fuck ton less than 200 grand. Uh, yes. Like I have no idea what she spent that money on. I, I was really trying to think about it and I couldn't figure it out. Like, is it just a shit ton of swag? Uh, I honestly have no idea what it is. Yeah. That, like 200,000 pounds. I've hired the Royal Albert Hall for an event and it didn't fucking cost that much money. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's insane. Baffling to me. Anyway, who, you know, I suppose if you have 200,000 pounds to just fling at some offensive <laughs> podcast event, then, uh, then you should. Um, anyway, we do hear that Monique is after her meeting with her pastor has had a change of heart regarding the whole kind of scenario and that she did want to reach out to Candice to kind of apologize. But of course, Candice jumped the gun by going legal. Do you think, how, how do you think, how did you feel about Candice's reaction to the fact that the women didn't turn up to the podcast? Because I struggled with it a little bit. I think you may have to remind me because was she? Oh, so she was like annoyed. She was like, I turned up for everything. Even when I was pregnant, I turned up for everything. I supported them. I've been there. I've done this. And they want to say that they want to see change. And here I am. And they don't even want to turn up to look at it. And I'm like, it's been two weeks. And yeah, when you turned up to everybody else's event, they hadn't just decked one of your mates. So right, right. This is my problem with Monique. There's no humility. None at all. And I mean, I think if, if it had been anybody else, they would have expected people not wanting, like not wanting to show up because it's like, well, you've just had this traumatic event. Your friends are all still processing. You haven't apologized. Like they have no idea that you're in this headspace. Now you haven't told anybody that you're in this headspace. Why the fuck would they show up to your event? I wouldn't show up. No, that's and she's and she's salty about it. And I'm like, just if it was me, I'd be like, I get it. It's a bit too soon. It is what it is. Right. I'm going to have to earn their trust back. There's none of that with Monique. No. And I think this is the whole problem with Monique. Like she expects everybody to do a lot more than she would ever do. I mean, if, if the situation was different and she had been at a situation where like, Giselle and Robin fought or whatever. 
I think she would be on the same page as all the other women. Like, I don't know. Like, this is not cool, whatever. But I feel like she's got such an entitled mindset. Yeah. That she can't ever think outside of herself. It's like this entitled narcissistic mindset, right? Like, because I'm doing this, they should all just support me blindly. And that's not fucking realistic at all. No, I 100% agree. And I just, it was another reason why I just thought, Monique, you just, you're so lost in this kind of world of being this perfect person, but also forgetting that it's much easier for you to be this perfect person because you have so much privilege in financially that yeah. it's so it's so ugly to watch this entitlement play out within this group yeah. of friends and the way that she's approaching this. And it really bothers me. And it's, I mean, you know me, I, people fuck up and I can forgive anybody, anything if they fucking own it and say the yeah. right thing and move the fuck on. Like I'm here for well, that, but she's just not doing it. She's sort of like no. talking the talk, but she's not walking the walk. Right. Like my thing is, even if like her, I guess her response about why she hasn't apologized to Candace is because now it's like a legal issue and she can't whatever. Honestly, I still feel like you could pick up the phone and leave a message and be like, you know what, Candace, I'm really sorry. None of that stuff was you. And I think Candace would probably drop the whole thing. Like all she wants is a fucking apology. Well, and I, I don't, I don't think pressing like cr- I don't think her being um, penalized to the fullest extent or whatever the phrase is, I lost it. It's late here. Prosecuted. Prosecuted. That's it. It's the right way to go. Like, I don't want to see Monique go to prison over this. And I I, I don't, in my heart of hearts, think Candace does too. I think she's just mad. She's still in shock. She's traumatized. She's pissed. She's like, you know, it's it's like those seven stages of grief. This is like the seven stages of having your head fucking beaten up. And she's now in the I'm really pissed off stage and I think you're right I think a heartfelt apology from Monique would have mitigated this particular situation I don't know if she's in the place to hear it right now but um but I think she was and I mean I think this is my question to Monique is like well how long did you want her to wait like how long like what is the time frame I mean she waited a while she didn't just go the next day and press these charges on Monique like she waited because she thought she was going to get an apology and then she didn't. So she got fucking angry, which is completely a correct emotion to have. Well, she didn't like, just well, not Monique, get an apology. Yeah. She got told that not only was she not going to apologize, she didn't even feel sorry. At which point I don't blame her for putting on her fucking Louboutins and marching down to the police station. No, especially with like the shit on social media where like people were almost taunting her. Like, Candace has gotten yeah. the fucking raw end of this deal and Monique needs to recognize that and fucking apologize. Yeah, and the longer she, she leaves it, do. the more humility she has to show, the more she has to apologize, the harder she has to work. And that's the grave that she's dug herself and she doesn't fucking get it. No. And I mean, I feel like everybody else gets it. I feel like Chris probably gets it. Like, I want to hear what Chris is actually saying to her. Like, you need to cut this shit out and, like, apologize. Because they're his friends, too. He's very close with the other, like, Candace's Chris. And it's like, I think that would be a really hard position to be in where he's just like, can you fucking stop and 
take a moment. Like everybody in your life is telling you this. But she thinks she's done now. She's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, I shouldn't have done it. Right. Right, I'm fine. I'm now back to being a great person and everybody needs to recognize that and pay me the attention I think I deserve. And it's like, it's not how it works, babe. It's not about how you feel about yourself. It's about how everybody else feels about yourself and what you are showing and how you are acting. And it's not looking good. And it is, she is oblivious to it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Anyway. I mean, really, it only matters what Candace thinks. Like, it really only matters what you do to Candace. Like that is actually the only thing that matters. 100% focus. And it isn't. She's like, I want to get the other girls on side to do this. It's like, no, the other girls are waiting for you to do the right thing with Candace. Exactly. Um, Anyway, hilariously in their little, in in her little pre-prod podcast (laughs) meeting, she's like, I don't want to talk about the physical altercation. And the MC's like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that first will be question. the first question that comes up <laughs> and to give her credit she doesn't mention the physical altercation she just says you no. know how's your relationship with candace but monique's face is like it's like she's just opened up her mouth and shat in it it's you've never seen she's pissed no uh but she deserved the question a hundred percent and how did she think that wasn't going to come off like this is reality you've been on social media like liking all these comments where people said you did a good job because you did this terrible thing. And if you have a live event, that's what's going to come up. Like <laughs> that's topical. Every time. That's what happens. You can't yeah. just do so. But again, this is Monique's obliv- obliv- obliviousness, right? She yeah. just thinks she can control that situation and make sure that we only talk about what Monique wants to talk about. Well, sorry, sweetheart. It's not how it goes. Not at all. Um, Anyway, the other thing we see is Karen and Ray, who somehow have found a new therapist. Sorry, Karen. Life coach. Karen, Karen. <laughs> Karen Huger, you didn't like what the other lady had to say. You tried <laughs> to find somebody else. We all know that's what happened. <laughs> I mean, you've got to give Karen credit. Like, she really doesn't recognize what she's doing. She's completely oblivious to it. But essentially... yeah. And here we are at another therapy session where Ray is once again being super honest, super open, very vulnerable. And Ray and Karen's like, mm, did he really just say that? Yes, he did say that because this is what therapy is about. It's about saying the shit that you feel like you <laughs> right. can't say any other time. So let's not mock yeah. him for that. No. Let's, let's applaud him. Of- yeah. I am so impressed with actually how open and honest and vulnerable he's being. And he just wants someone to meet him in the middle. And I understand where Karen is coming from, but you're also in this, you've been in this relationship for, you know, 25 years. Like, don't you know that compromise is kind of the key? Like, I know you just want someone to be your champion, but look, there are two people in this relationship. It's, it's not just you. Yeah. Karen's just trying to find a therapist that is going to agree with her and tell Ray that he's the problem. And that's never the case. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Excluding potentially abusive relationships. That's never the case in any regular relationship, but she is absolutely lacking in all sorts of self-awareness and is just, just wants Ray to take the fall. And it's really interesting. I think this is really good because in my talk, I talk a lot about mental health on my personal account and, uh, one of the things, especially in light of things like George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, I hear a lot about is uh, 
this kind of stigma attached to therapy within the black community and especially when it comes to black men in therapy and so right i think it's super cool to see ray doing this and i think that that shouldn't be underestimated because um it's you know it's important that everybody recognizes that therapy is nothing to be ashamed of Absolutely. And getting help is nothing to be ashamed of. And it doesn't matter how long your relationship has been. Everybody has issues. Everybody has issues. And everybody, you know, whether maybe you're just great communicators, so you can sort it out yourself. But throughout various iterations of your relationship, because when you're with somebody for 20 plus years, you go through a lot of changes. And when you need to talk about those changes, it is helpful to have somebody there making sure that you guys still know how to communicate because that changes too. Like you're not the same person when you're fucking 20 years old to when you're 40 to when you're 60 to when you're 80. Hopefully you are always growing and evolving and sometimes your communication needs to be tweaked. And I feel like that's actually what we see with them. Like Karen, you need to be a little bit more open with Ray and tell him how you're feeling. Like you're telling the girls when you're having your drunken nights out, use those same words because I think Ray would then kind of understand where you're coming from. And you guys could meet in the middle because I feel like Karen is trapped in that place where she's doesn't feel like any of her thoughts are being validated, but she's also not sharing those thoughts. Yeah. So they can't be validated. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the classic. It's a classic mistake. I literally wrote a post on this the other day. It's like women and it is a women thing. It's a, it's a trait that we have been, we have absorbed because we have been told for so long that we don't have a voice or that we, our right. needs, you know, we have to put our needs last. But essentially what that means is that we end up relying on telepathy to communicate, i.e. if he loved me, he would he know, know that right. I was feeling this way. And it's such a vicious, nasty circle to be in. And that's just where Karen is. He doesn't know that I'm feeling all this resentment, that I need these things, that I'm missing this in our relationship. And if he did know, that would prove that he loved me. And it's just honestly, so such a damaging place to be. But yeah, that's where she is. And telepathy, you know, I'm going to be honest, is a really crappy way of communication. And it's it's the shittiest system ever. It never, I mean, it <laughs> never fucking works. I'm no, it's like 2G. It yeah. <laughs> it's 2G. <laughs> it is. It's, honestly, it's bullshit. So if you're sat at home thinking my husband doesn't love me because he doesn't know I'm miserable and all the rest of it, he's really, he, that's not he why know. he doesn't love you. Do you know no. I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't love you, but that is definitely right, right, not the reason. Right. Um, we have to, as women, get better at saying i need this i'm feeling this without fear of shame because it's just so debilitating it is it's and it's and it's a really hard pattern to get out of i mean you know i work on it in my relationship i'm working on it in my relationship right now like just being able to kind of speak to what i need and not feel like a shit mom because i need this or a shit wife because i need this like it's hard man but it's stuff you have to do and well, it's been you bred never, into us, right? Yeah. I, I'm going to like, I'm going to make probably a shit analogy, but it's like, you know, when you set your alarm to wake up really early to the gym and you really don't want to get up that I early. I really don't. I really and don't. And so know you that. like turn it off. 
But then you regret not going, right? You never actually regret waking up early and going to work out. Like you never regret it. You never come out of that workout and be like, oh, I fucking wish I slept at home. Like that never actually happens. So it's, it's the same. Like if you start opening up and voicing what you need, you'll never regret that conversation because your needs are out there. Your partner wants to help you meet those needs. You want to help your partner meet their needs. Like it's never going to be a regretful situation. No, but, but you we've will been always told, regret not doing it. But we've been told that we have to martyr ourselves as mothers, right. especially, you know, that everybody else's needs have to come before ours. And it's such an ass backwards way of doing things because we spend our whole lives miserable because we're tired yeah. and we're exhausted and everybody else's needs are met, which is fine. They should be happy. Great. Good on them. But it breeds yeah. <laughs> such resentment in us that we become... Yeah these fucking parodies that we see characterized on fucking TV shows all the time, these nagging wives, these annoying people. And it's because, and it's our own fucking fault because yeah. we need to speak up and say, hang on, I am an officially equal person in this family of whatever, however many people it is, right. two, three, four, five, you know. 50, whatever. The Kardashians, 1100. <laughs> um, you have an equal voice and it is not just yeah. your responsibility to make everybody happy. And this is the no. big fucking myth. Yeah. That it's mum's responsibility to make everybody happy. It no. isn't. It's all their responsibilities. It's everybody not. is responsible for their own feelings, their own thoughts. You're their all Their own happiness. Yeah. That's what's, and and you can only do that. You can only allow everybody to be responsible for their own happiness if you give everybody a voice in that room to say what they need. And then you figure the shit out. Yeah. But you can't expect one person to hold up everybody else's fucking needs and happiness. And that's why as women, we get so fucking over our lives. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Over all the bullshit. (laughs) Let's all just go and start a commune by ourselves. Anyway, Karen... Don't pay her for therapy. Just listen yeah. to our podcast. Right. We've figured it out. Have the convo. We've got you. That's all you need to do. Have the conversation. Absolutely. Um, and we see a couple having that conversation with Giselle and Jamal. We do. I loved it. What a great yeah. segue. Thank you. So professional. <laughs> We see Giselle and Jamal kind of talking about how the long distance relationship is hard and she opens up about all of her feelings and he's just like, I've just been waiting on you to say this. Yeah. And that right there is our point. Yeah. And I loved him for it. I mean, I loved Mm -hmm. him for it. I thought it was really smart. I think it shows a real equilibrium in their relationship. And what I loved is Giselle's shocked face. She was like, oh, (laughs) okay. It was like a light, you could see it was like a light bulb life lesson moment for her. She was like, oh, hang on a minute. I just piped up. I asked, I told him what my needs were. And we just had a really fucking grown up conversation. Yeah. And he met them and everything is cool. I wasn't shamed for my thoughts or feelings. I was met in the middle and we're, we're cool. And the conversation is now happening and we are going to work this out on terms that suit both of us. It was joyful to watch. It was. It um, was. And I'm I'm really proud of Jamal for being that dude. Well, and Giselle as well. Like, yeah. it's, you know, it must be, even though I know she knows that Jamal has changed and I'm sure that he has, I, God help, God help her, I hope he has. 
Um, yeah. It's still going to be risky for her to be vulnerable. You know, she's not a naturally vulnerable person. And no. That was a really lovely moment that, you know, compared to what we'd just seen with Ray and Karen, like you said, was just a perfect example of how good communication can work and how women saying, I need this, doesn't yeah. have to lead to the end of the fucking world. Or the end of the relationship. Because I feel like that's what Giselle was really preparing herself for. Like, he's just going to say no, and that's the way it is. And I think we all tell ourselves these stories of how the other person is going to react without just letting them react. Like, get putting our truth out there and letting them react on how they need to. And, I mean, Jamal shocked the hell out of her. Yeah. And I think that's that's what can happen. Yeah. And, and to give her credit, she had these fantasies in her head, but she overcame them and she said it. And I think that comes from her being on her own for a long time and growing the confidence and the balls and knowing what, she, you know, and get, getting to a point where she's only had to make herself happy. And so she's not willing to give that up so easily, but yeah, uh, it was really cool to watch. And it was, I was like whooping at the telly, like, yeah, yeah do that um so good i'm glad i'm feeling good about giselle and jamal at the moment i don't know which way it's going to go do you know whether it's going to go giselle to atlanta or jamal to potomac i have no idea i feel like i don't know i i really don't know i I was was hoping that i would have like a gut reaction like oh like she's gonna make a move there because she's building this house but i don't necessarily think that's true and you know there is a real housewives of atlanta that she would be a welcome addition on so i don't know it'll be interesting to see we'll find out meanwhile um we've got wendy the badass hosting her wine with wendy event which the concept of the event i love i hate the name but that's fine um yeah it just plays into all sorts of cliches that she says as she is sipping wine uh, while recording a podcast. <laughs> it's like women can't just talk politics. We have to like be sipping wine while we do it. But right, that's fine. Right. Um, but I mean, let's be honest. It makes it easier. <laughs> I mean, it does. I mean, wine makes everything easier these days. Remember, I've just gone back into lockdown. Um, yeah. I'm going to take a minute to praise Wendy because I love that we have a woman who is smart, who is fighting for the rights of women, of black women, who wants to empower them with knowledge, who is here to really make a difference. And you can tell that she's passionate about this. Absolutely. I think this event really made her shine. Like this is what she loves to do. She loves to educate people on how to use their voices correctly. And I think in in that talk, she makes a really great point about sometimes it doesn't fucking matter who's sitting at the top. Like actually what matters is your local politicians. And those are the people that you need to be writing to do their job for you because it, it trickles up, right? Like those are the people that you need to really target. And I loved that. I think that is so spot on, especially in American politics. And, you know, she made the point about, you know, voting for the superintendent of your schools because they have direct control over the situation at your kids' schools. And you need those people on board and you need to take them to task when they're not doing their job because they do all work for us. And I feel like in this country in particular, like we have got that really backwards. Like we feel like, you know, I don't know, we're not taking our politicians to task and making them work for us. They fucking, you know, they disagree and they stop working and they have a whole government shutdown. And we need to start... making them more accountable for our votes. I mean, it's the same here as well, I think. But I think it's because we have these 
idiot old white men showboating at the top of the tree doing you know all of this stuff and actually it's distracting and i think yeah while of course it's important those general elections those national elections are really important i think wendy's right that we are distracted by them and actually there's very little that that guy can do to have that much of an impact but in terms of the day-to-day lives it is the local people it's our local councillors and she Mm -hmm. does make a a good point and i think that it's smart that these conversations are happening on reality TV. Like, yeah. I'll defend reality TV till the day I die because I know that there's interesting fucking anthropological shit in there. Yeah. But this is like a whole other level. This is cool. Yeah. It's cool to be using this platform to have a smart black woman empowering other black women and giving them a voice because I think that's a lot of what the problem is not just amongst black women but amongst women in general is that we feel intimidated by politics and we feel uncertain about it and it's just cool to see this happening on a reality tv show yeah I love it I hope she has more of these events because I think you know they really they do a lot to empower the women that are there and then those women will go off and empower other women like it's a trickle-down effect right you have to start having these conversations and i think that's the way we can we can make a difference in this world i agree now so, obviously it would be remiss of us to not talk about the salacious gossip that happened at this event as well you know we should put politics to one side and talk about the karen candace conversation which by the way i really i rooted for karen in this conversation I did too. Like, I think Karen is really right. Like, look, I don't always agree with my friends, but I will support them. And I think she played it really smartly where she called Candace out and was like, I defended you to the end last year. I agree. I didn't agree with you, but I defended you because you are my friend. I will always do that for my friends. And I like that about Karen. Like, Karen didn't go and, you know, didn't go to the podcast. She doesn't do anything extra, but like, she is there for her people even if she doesn't agree with them. Well, and this is, you know, this is my problem. This is my problem with millennials. I'm going to put it out there. Sorry to every millennial listening. <laughs> you know, we're technically millennials because I mean, we were born listen, in 81. Technically. <laughs> I mean, Sorry. we're not really though. Anyway, <laughs> shut your dirty mouth. But this is my problem with real millennials. There's no fucking nuance. Like there's, it has to be this bipartisan view of everything. It's black and white. You can't, mm-hmm be my friend and be the friend with the person that I've fallen out with. You can't be left-wing, but appreciate some right-wing or some, you know, conservative policies. You can't be this and this. You can't love your kids, but hate parenting. There's no fucking (laughs) nuance for these millennials. They want you to just choose a fucking side. And it's not that black and white. And Karen is absolutely right. She is my friend. She has done something fucking despicable and I have told her and Karen has told her. Yes. I have held her accountable, but that doesn't mean that I cancel her and this cancel culture of you did something wrong, therefore you do not exist anymore is bullshit. And I'm glad that she called Candace out on this. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with everything that you've said. I, I feel the world is gray. The world is gray. It's big fucking murky, gray, brownie shit. And we're all just trying to fucking figure it out. And what works for me may not work for you, may not work for this guy, may not work for that person, maybe works for that person over there. It doesn't fucking matter. 
it works for me. And that's all the people that I really need to be worried about. Like, I don't, you know, I have family that voted for Trump. I'm not banging down their doors trying to convince them otherwise. If they ask my opinion, I'll state my opinion about a thing. But that's what it is. It's not my burden to educate everybody else on what I think is right. Like, we can agree to disagree on a lot of things. And that's life. Well, I mean, so I went to back in the days recently where we could go to friends' houses. Yeah. Went to a friend's house. Really good friend of mine who I love and adore with all my heart. We had a conversation. She's like, oh, it's just a scamdemic. We're just, basically, this is all just designed so that when they give us a vaccine, they can inject us with a chip. And I was just like, and I love this girl. I mean, what came out of her mouth at that point was batshit crazy as far as I was concerned. Did we have a fight about it? No. Do you know what I said? I said, oh, I nearly said her name then. Oh, God, can you imagine? Whoa. Um, I said, Dillis, not a name. I said, <laughs> Is that I love even you. a name? <laughs> I don't know. Is it? Iris. I Iris. don't think so. I love you. Uh, I disagree with what you're saying. Uh, doesn't mean I don't love you, but maybe should we just talk about something else? She went, yeah, yeah pour me another glass of wine. Have another glass of wine. Go, should we go for a fact? Yeah. That's, how, that's how it turned out. That's all it needs to be. I mean, that's all it needs to be. And, I, and it, it wasn't dramatic. I, no. I hold no ill will against her. Uh, it's all fine. But yet. Yeah. I have, I have a real issue with the, con- the cancel culture because I feel like if you don't surround yourself with a bunch of different points of view, your world gets very tiny very quickly. And you lose all, you have nobody to check you. We all need someone to check us sometimes and be like, I don't agree with what you've decided, but it's your decision, whatever. Right. And just because you you disagree with somebody on one point doesn't mean that they're wrong about everything else. No. And I mean, God, we're, we're, we're ego driven bodies. Like we need people to call us out on our shit sometimes when maybe we're taking it a bit too far. But if you've cut all those people out of your life, well, there's, where's the debate? Because that's where right, the magic happens none. in yeah. the conversation, in the debates, right in the middle of that. Where is that if you're refusing to even engage or entertain? And that really bothers me. It really bothers me because I just think it's so short-sighted. And it just means that all we have is two people fight, like either not talking or fighting. And it's like, this isn't yeah. constructive. And no, at the end we have of the, the day, first presidential debate it's just two people fighting and nothing fucking gets accomplished yeah it's it's bullshit and at the end of the day we all like it or not inhabit the same planet the same community the same country whatever it is yeah we have to accept difference and not be so fucking frightened of it that you need to cancel it or ignore it or pretend it doesn't exist um and i think it's i think social media has a lot to a hundred percent has a huge yeah. role to play in this because all of a sudden everybody knows it's easy what to block everybody people. else. Well, it's easy to block people, but also everybody knows what everybody else is thinking. And also you're only getting a certain part of somebody, you know, there's no yeah. full nuance. relationships. There's no nuance. There's no nuance. So I, you know, if I, yeah. if I didn't know this friend of mine and she just put that on Facebook, I'd be like, well, you're a fucking dick. <laughs> as Bet. it is. Unfollow. <laughs> as it is. Uh, no, obviously I wouldn't unfollow. I'd like spend a lot of time spouting horrible <laughs> trolling abuse at her because apparently that's what we do. Um, oh. But as it is, I know her and I love 
percent of her i don't love that bit i don't love that opinion but she's a gorgeous human being like yeah let's just accept that people are so fucking complex that it's all right and it drives me exactly insane anyway karen did a really good job of kind of educating candace on that pretty quickly yes she did and our differences make this world fucking interesting like, it, I feel like it would be so boring if we all just fucking thought the same thing and we all did the same thing. The most boring fucking planet ever. I know. I agree. I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's like my current bugbear every day of my life. This, yeah. This bullshit. Um, but praise be, Karen. And I love it. And I think it is that older generation that are teaching us this because this younger generation, as I say, the millennials, and I, and I am sort of being flippant, but I'm not really. Because yeah, yeah. It, I do think social media has a lot to do. And this older generation doesn't hold, Karen's generation doesn't hold that much truck with this social media shit. So she's no. like, listen, it's not how I operate. And I yeah. love that. And I hope that Candace took it on board. I feel like she did. I feel like she's going to I think it got through. It. I yeah, do too. For sure. Because I feel like she would have got Candacy, shouty, fighty, but I feel like actually it hit a bit of a nerve and she's going to process it and accept what Karen said. Absolutely. I can't wait to see the episode this week to kind of see the rest of that play out and kind of where it's going to go from there. Me too. Um, and then finally, let's just wrap up on Potomac with Robin and Juan, who are apparently about to get engaged they are one got the parental blessing which i think is very sweet to do even if it doesn't matter either way but i think it's a very sweet gesture um and i'm excited like i think they're building something much better than they had before on kind of honesty and working things through with each other so it's exciting to see where this new relationship will take them i 100 percent agree um and yeah, I mean, let's wish them some luck, right? Because second time lucky. That's right. While we've got you here, we'd love to talk to you about our brand new Patreon account. Woohoo! It's all the extra content that is not only about reality TV, but all the other TV that we happen to be watching. And if that wasn't cool enough, we also give away a little bit more about ourselves. So there's lots of personal stuff on there too, if you want to get to know us better. So head on over to patreon.com, search for TV My Husband Hates, and all this extra content can be yours for less than a cup of coffee. Or a glass of wine. Whatever you choose. Okay, let's get back on with Orange County, where Ooh. it's very tense in Orange County right now, isn't it? Oh, it's dark oh. and everyone's really close together. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot. I feel a bit bad for Elizabeth. I feel like Elizabeth walked into like the ring of fire. She really has. I mean, you see her at Shannon's party and she's just like, holy shit, what did I sign myself up for? I'm just going to sit here and drink my wine. <laughs> I mean, bless her. Bless her cotton socks. Um, it's a lot. So basically the whole thing this week revolves around um, Shannon's housewarming party and the accusation that Bronwyn says, which is that Shannon started this whole Gina house bashing thing by calling it like a sad little house, essentially. A sad little house. Yeah. Depressing. Sad and depressing or something. I think that's what she said. Yeah. I don't know. Like, 
I feel like I feel bad for Bronwyn because obviously she is now sober. So she now will remember every conversation that everybody has had. And I feel that puts her in a really shitty place, especially being so newly sober and really trying to navigate what life even looks like for her right now. Um, I liked that she, I mean, she flat out owns up. She's like, I totally talk shit about her place. I've never seen it. How would I even know any of this stuff had someone not told me? And I think she makes a really valid point. And I'm worried that Shannon is playing too many sides. Like she's learned these tricks of being on the housewives where like everybody's drinking. So you can always deny what you said and people will maybe believe you. And I don't think that's going to fly this season. And I think it's going to, Bronwyn is going to ruffle a lot of feathers because of that, but I don't think she's weaponizing her sobriety as people have said. No, I mean, listen, I had, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that Shannon said what she said. No doubt. Yeah. She called it sad and depressing hands down. Bet both my ovaries do not pass. Go will not collect 200 pounds. Like she fucking said it. Um, Yeah. And you can tell because Shannon is not a great, She's so vociferous in her defense of it that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, bless her. Anyway, yeah. she said it. And Bronwyn has no reason to lie. Like Bronwyn hasn't even seen the house. No. So the only and she person, doesn't like Gina. She doesn't care. The only person she's heard anything from about the house is Shannon. So of course, this is where she's bringing it from. Um, but you're right. She's not. Bronwyn is not weaponizing her sobriety. Bronwyn is 28 days sober. She is not in a position to weaponize anything. She is a bag of fucking crazy. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but she does not know whether she's coming or going. She is learning for the first time in her life to manage her emotions without alcohol. There is a ton of shame, embarrassment, uncertainty, fear. She doesn't know who she is. There's so much going on for her right now. Yeah. That no reaction is thought through or managed or manipulated. She is surviving every day. I mean, it's like, it's almost like a toddler learning how to deal with their emotions, right? Like she has dulled her emotions and dulled all of her things for so long that she is like a brand new baby figuring out what all this shit means. You know, the ones that cry when people aren't there because they think they're gone forever. Like she is in such a raw ball state she's primal she is primal she's 100% right primal yeah and, and she's not weaponizing or manipulating anything she's she's literally just trying to get through the day and shannon should know better because shannon yeah. knows what she's one of the few people that knows what bronwyn is going through but rather than throw her a bone and give her some room she's more interested in making herself look good and she's willing to put Bronwyn under the bus for it. And that, I have a problem with that because Bronwyn's incredibly vulnerable right now. Yeah, Doesn't mean she's likable. Like, I get it. No. I get it. Yeah. I can't imagine very many addicts who are newly sober are that likable right now because by their very God, no. nature, they have to be super self-absorbed, narcissistic, selfish. That's what they have to be. Yeah. But Shannon should know better. And I, and I, think that it's unkind of her to do what she's doing for the sake of not just going I'm really sorry I said it like I shouldn't have said it but I said it right and and honestly I feel like Shannon and Gina's relationship could withstand that she could be like you know what I was talking shit the moment it came out 
I actually don't think that I was just talking shit or, or I did think that, and I don't know how you make it happen. Like just fucking own, own what you say. I don't think gaslighting a newly sober person by saying you're getting it wrong. You must be confused is yeah. the way to go about it. I think it's a very shamey negative way to handle your friend's new sobriety. I agree. And I think that, um, and I feel for Gina because Gina's a sweetheart. Like she's kind of a little bit, she's very naive. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, you know, she's, I'm not sure she's the super smartest tool in the shed, whatever the phrase is. And I feel like she is, almost forced to pick a side here and she's like well who's the worst enemy to have she's like well i'm already enemies with bronwyn so i might as well believe shannon and i think that she's being manipulated because we all think i mean you think that shannon said what she said right absolutely i mean i don't know if she really meant it when she said it no but i think shannon is the type of person who kind of will say whatever the group she's around right she's a sheep like she doesn't yeah so i don't think she really thinks that Gina's place is sad. I mean, massive props to Gina for actually buying a place because none of these other ladies have bought their place. They're all renting. Um, I just think Shannon is so worried about what everybody else thinks of her that she'll never actually like make a stand. She'll just go to right to anger. And I think that's a very easy emotion to go to rather than being a little self-reflective and being like, shit, I said that. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. You're my friend. I love you. I fucked up. It'd be done. It would be done yeah, in a heartbeat. But Shannon's always been able to hide behind Tamara and Vicky because they've always been like upfront and full of all the fucking drama. Yeah. So she's always been able to hide behind them. But she needs to really be able to stand on her own two feet and own her shit and not get so defensive and not worry so much and also be able to go you know, to call people out rather than just fall in line and have a laugh and a giggle and be a bit, just to go, do you know what? She bought that house. Like if Bronwyn yeah. was being a bitch, she could go, yeah, right, it's small, but she bought it and she did it by herself. And that's really impressive. That's massive. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I do believe that she believes that. I think Shannon is impressed with that. I think she does respect that. Yeah. I also think that she's really willing to sit there and just fall in line with somebody else who's bitching about it. And it's, it's it's like yeah. it's possible for the two to be true, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Um What how did you feel about Kelly's behavior at this particular party? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I love the way Kelly like goes up to Shannon's dad. I mean, Kelly is who she is. Like whereas we see Shannon is just very willing to kind of fall into whoever she's around. Whatever you think about Kelly Dodd, Kelly Dodd is Kelly Dodd. And she is Kelly Dodd in any situation. She does not fucking give a shit if it's your old ass parents or, you know, your kids or whatever. She is consistent. So I would expect nothing less than for her to go up to Shannon's dad and say, you're the big dick daddy from Cincinnati. So I was like, I laughed and I thought that's hilarious. But then that's because I know what my dad's like. And if somebody came up to my dad and said that, he would would have laughed in the same way. And Shannon's dad laughed. Like he took it in the way it was intended. Nobody's feelings were hurt. My dad would have laughed. What about your dad? What if I walked into your dad and be like, oh, I I think you're the big dick daddy from Texas. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think my dad would be able to understand you because he has a really hard time like keeping up with the pace of your accent 
because he's told me this before because obviously you've met my dad and I do um, talk quickly yeah I think I think my dad I think my dad would probably just be embarrassed laugh it off and then like go away yeah (laughs) exit stage left (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> He'd just um, disappear for hours and we would I have no d- idea where he I was. I know my dad would laugh and I can I can picture the exact ridiculous laugh that he would do, which is the laugh that he used to do when we teased him about fancying one of his colleagues' wife because yeah. it was sort of true. Like he never did anything, <laughs> but he absolutely did fancy her. So we'd be like, ooh, and she was called Helga. We'd be like, Helga? And he'd get this silly like <laughs> smile on his face. That's the smile he would do if you like came up and went, Big Dick Daddy from Devon. From Devon. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I'll have to try it the next time I encounter Chris. <laughs> I know, right. Bless. Um, is there anything else we need to talk about with Orange County? No, I mean, I, th- I think that's really all that's happening. I think we're, we're going to continue to see Bronwyn struggle her way through these new first months of sobriety. Um, but I think that's to be expected. And I hope... I hope the other girls kind of know because I think Gina would feel really shitty about what she said to her had she known that that's what she was going through. Well, let's talk about that because obviously at the very end we have this big bust up where Gina's been fed this stuff from Shannon. Shannon's telling her that Bronwyn is outright lying. And all Gina knows is that Bronwyn is sloppy and drunk and kind of annoying and has and they've had beef for a while and she's been saying awful things about it so of course when Gina sees her at the poolside she's like well you're just always sloppy and you're always drunk and because that has been true that's been the case obviously that pushes I think we can safely agree that that or that pushes a trigger that pushes a button in Bronwyn yeah and I don't blame her for her reaction. I fully understand why she reacts the way she reacts. Like she's just done. This is a very, very difficult situation for her. And that is like the final fucking straw. I predict Gina will feel mortified that she said what she said in light of what she knows, but she didn't know at the time. No. Um, So I think it will be fine. And I, I suspect Gina will and we'll kind of reach out to Bronwyn over. I, I feel like this could be something that Gina and Bronwyn kind of mend themselves over because, yeah, you know, I, I, I think Gina is empathetic and I think she is kind. And I think that she will reach out to Bronwyn after this. I think so too. And um, I totally agree that she's going to be mortified when she sees that. And she just didn't know. And no. I think that's a hundred percent fine. Um, I think she was going off the knowledge that she had and that's all we can do. So I hope eventually Bronwyn feels comfortable to tell all the girls what she's dealing with. So maybe she can be met with a little bit more sympathy and thoughtfulness than this first drunken meetup. Well, I think there's no way around it now, right? She screamed, fuck you. I'm 30 days sober today or 28 days sober today. Like it's now out there. And that conversation is definitely going to happen. And I think it will get easier for Bronwyn. Now she said it, right? That's the hardest thing. Yeah, First thing, she's ripped the Band-Aid off. Now she can build on that. So we'll see. But it's going to be a journey for her, for sure. Yes. So let's move on to... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I mean, yes. Like nothing I thought, more can be said. Yeah. Well, I thought, is she frozen? You know that moment where you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. she's frozen. <gasps> um, 
Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And again, this is not going to be a long chat, but it is really interesting to see this with hindsight and to watch this happen because Chloe gets it really bad. Um, yeah, as she's does super Kanye, sick. Apparently. Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting to see everybody's reaction and thoughts around it as it plays out for the first time. For sure. I mean, I think what's really interesting is like Chloe gets sick. California also puts their stay at home order in this episode. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just kind of weird to think back and like, obviously we're watching it with the knowledge that we have now that, you know, it's not just going to be a month and everything's going to be fucked. And, you know, it, it is interesting to see kind of how people who normally have a lot of help deal with not having any help in their households and having a partner down. I think we see Kim, However, you made a really good point when we yeah, were kind of I chatting mean, about this. I have to say, Kim Kardashian, listen, I love you, but she's there going, I'm like four kids on my own. Kanye's not there. And I'm. it's like, it's really a lot. Like, and I don't begrudge anybody that. Four kids on your own. I don't care how much money you've got. That's a fucking lot no. of money. Yeah. But then we see her just walking with one of those kids down to see her mum. Kanye's still quarantining. So unless she's just left the other three kids with a can opener, chances are <laughs> she's got some help. Well, and I think at that point she probably does. Now, I know because following her social media, we definitely see a different side of Kim Kardashian and parenting kind of as quarantine moves on. So maybe they still had a little help and then and then stopped having help because it wasn't safe too. So we'll see, but... It, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know how much of the season we'll see kind of her reality, but like her video about just trying to lock herself in her bathroom so she can have two minutes of fucking peace was something so identifiable. Oh, it's like relatable to the max, right? The, yes. She's like, can you just leave me alone for five yeah. minutes? <laughs> yeah. Just fucking, just fuck off. I mean, how yeah. many times like under your breath, behind their backs, do you say, just fuck off? I mean, oh, probably a like times. a million times a day. And, Easily. And it's it's just nice to see any mother do that. I don't care who it is. It's nice to see no. any mother be just, I want five fucking minutes. Um, yeah. Chloe, Chloe and, and again, it's really interesting when you see Chloe, because obviously Tristan comes in to help with True, and they're literally like just a door separating them. And it, that must be really, really hard. I haven't, you have been in that situation where you've had to quarantine in a room while your kids are in the house. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I felt it as hard as Chloe did. I was kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of a mini vacation. I feel a bit shit, but God, I'm on my own. <laughs> I'll take a fever if it means I get a week by myself. Yeah, I mean, first, like, my husband, we quarantined him in the basement kind of right off the bat because he was feeling a little sick, and that was hard for me, just, like, you know, having to manage the kids on my own and work and no school and all, all of that goodness. Um, and I think it, for the first time, he kind of felt what it was like to be me. Oh, Jimmy, you just called me. Jimmy called me and I hung up and it hung everything up. Oh, that's okay. Uh, so what? Hang on. I think. Hang on, hang on. Oh. Now yeah. you're, Now it's not on my headphones. Okay. Go. 
So I think when I had to quarantine, it was kind of the first time my husband had ever really felt what it was kind of like to be me having to work and deal with the kids. But honestly, like it was kind of nice for me. I mean, he did a great job. He took care of the kids. They're all alive. But yeah, we had the same thing where he would leave food outside the door and then go downstairs and I'd wait like a minute and then get my food in. And I mean, that sounds joyful. I'm not going to lie. That sounds joyful. Yeah. Like, but I also, I wasn't as sick as she was like, no. she was super sick. And I think that would feel really shitty if you were that sick and you know, all that, but massive props to Tristan for really like getting in there and stepping up and doing, you know, not massive props. Was like he was a dad. Know, I, just, I should he's realize just being that. A dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I but think in know, a co-parenting situation, it's a, different, like, it was di- great. it's a different dynamic for sure. Right. It was great that he went over there and, you know, stepped up and, and took care of the both of them. I think that is a new side to Tristan that we haven't really been able to see before. I agree. Um, and of course, Malika has her baby as well, which is another interesting conversation because I know how, I mean, God, if everybody's not already bored of me talking about it, but <laughs> I know how fucking hard it was to have a baby not in the middle of a pandemic. And to do that and to go through all of that and not be able to have your closest friends or even your closest family. I mean, obviously she's got yeah. a sister, but you know, that must be really difficult. Definitely. And I mean, even just the thought process that like this person who's kind of been your ride or die throughout your entire pregnancy hasn't even met your kid yet. I know. Like that's so crazy. hard. So crazy. And, you know, yeah, it's just And you just need reality, your friends. Right? You especially need yeah. your friends who have already had a baby. Like they're the ones that you want around you just like telling you how it's going to be and doing the vacuuming and bringing you a shepherd's pie or whatever it is. Right. Because they get it. Um, so yeah, I feel for her and it must be a tricky time to do all of that in the middle of a pandemic. Uh. Not, a, not a global pandemic, I'd just like to say. <laughs> The amount of times when you were keeping bring up, up with the Kardashians that they referred to it as a global pandemic. I know I'm a grammar dick, I get it, but the very nature of a pandemic is that it's global. It's, <laughs> it, it's tautological to call it a global pandemic. We don't need to do it, so let's just call it a pandemic. We yeah. all know what we're talking about. Thanks, thanks. It's extraneous chat that doesn't need to happen. I feel better now that I've got that off my chest. Um, Excellent. Shall we move on to Southern Charm? Let's. Let's move on to the newest member of our TV My Husband Hates family. Yes. In its seventh season, too. So, I mean, it's a show that's been around. We, you know, I've been working on her. We finally (laughs) broke through. I mean, to be Uh, fair, we've only been doing this for a year. So, it's you know. Very true. Yeah. But anyways, so obviously like the filming of this show kind of started six months prior to like the COVID. So we have a little bit of like pre-COVID life and then I'm sure we'll move into COVID life uh, as the season progresses. But might I just say, it's really nice to see Madison as like a fully formed participant on this show versus just Austin's girlfriend. Yeah, and I also like that we have... um it's nice to see a, like a grown up, you know, somebody with a kid yeah. who's just living real life as an adult uh, because she doesn't, you know, have the wherewithal to just live a life like she's some frat boy. But it is nice to see a grown ass woman doing some things. I don't know how I feel about Madison. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. But 
I'm really excited to see another grown up because I always felt like Cam was really the only grown up on this show. Yeah. Yeah, and, and if we I mean, if we've lost her this season, so we definitely need more grown-ups to fill in the space. And um, I'm not saying that Madison's going to be that grown-up because I don't think she's another no. camp, but it is nice to see somebody who is going to hold these kind of entitled people who just swan around their lives to, to I feel like she's going to hold them a little bit accountable. Absolutely. I'm I'm really sad that we have lost Cam, we've lost Chelsea, we've lost Naomi. Like we've lost a lot of the grounding people in this show. So I was oh, a yeah, little hesitant about, about this season. Yeah, like we lost a lot of really down to earth people, but I feel like some of the new people being brought in, like I think Leva is going to be a badass yes. on this show. I can't wait to see more of her. I identify with Leva very hardcore. Yeah, and I, I do too. I, I, think, I think I like her. We're beasts. We're the same kind of beast. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see more of her. I'm excited to see more of uh, John because, you know, we just saw a little bit of him. So it'll be nice to see some maybe fully developed human beings come into this mix of entitled Peter Pans yeah. from Charleston. I mean, these men are like, <laughs> I mean, we're going to get onto Shep in a bit, but just yeah. in general, like Craig, Austin, I mean, Craig, they're still to a certain extent, maybe just young enough to get away with it. Maybe. Maybe. But like, it just gets to a point, guys, just to all the blokes that listen to our podcast, which is maybe... The 5% of you. <laughs> not even five. If I mean, even it's probably that. Jimmy who edits yeah. it. And that's only because yeah. he has to. But it's not cute. It's not cute to drag out this, I'm just playing the field thing. It gets yeah. really unattractive. Well, I mean, there's a fine line between being fun Shep and being Thomas Ravenel. I mean, I would suggest right now that there is no line. Right. <laughs> Honestly, like watching Shep sit in yeah. Miss Patricia's um, living room, drinking his bourbon sour. Oh, a, which he looked, looked delicious. Oh, he looked old. He did not he did look, look well. Old. He did not look no. good. And I suddenly was like, man, you're not the cute guy turning up in like board shorts anymore. You are Thomas Ravenel. Yeah. Speaking of Thomas Ravenel, we see him pop back up in this season. Oh, hi, Thomas uh, Ravenel. Yeah, with him and Catherine kind of sharing quarters at the moment as she's redoing her townhome. I mean, listen, a couple of things here. He's fresh off the back of some sort of sexual allegations. I have no idea how they panned out. Clearly, no. clearly he didn't go to prison, so that's uh, fine. If, right. If you're Thomas Ravenel. Um and now he's living. I mean, this. I have well, I to think say, we see we see those allegations later on this season, so okay, we don't good. necessarily know what's happened. So this is kind of pre those allegations. Uh, okay, I get yeah. it. So there's some sort of overlap between this and the reunion of last. Yes, got yes. it. Right, fine. Um, and I have to say, I don't know what it is that is between Catherine and Thomas, but there, I feel like there's something real there. There is something real there, but I don't think he will ever give her that realness fully. No. I think he's too set in his ways. He's too Peter Pan. I mean, you know what? I, I think those sec I, I was totally wrong. Those sexual allegations did happen before this. We see some other shit come up about Thomas later on in okay. this season. So yeah, you're right. Like obviously he's probably paid his way out of some yeah. bullshit. Um 
I where I struggle with Catherine and Thomas is just this back and forth and their kids, because their kids are older now. Like, they're older yeah. than they were, obviously, at the beginning. That's redundant. But um, <laughs> Kenzie, like, knows what's going on. Like, their oldest daughter is is picking up on things, and I think it's confusing. And if it's not, I don't know. I don't, I kind of feel like if, it, if you're not really going to go for it, then don't do these half-assed little jaunts. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And I, I, I think throughout this whole thing, there is no doubt in my mind that Catherine has been victimized in this. Like, yeah, I don't love her approach to life or, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect She's for so her. She's so young in a lot of ways. too. She was a baby. Yes. She was a baby. And she went up unknowingly against one of the most powerful players in that town in a, a big fish in a small pond. And he played her like a fucking fiddle and she had no idea what was going on. She had no idea. I genuinely believe no. she genuinely yeah. loved him. And she thought that was her fairy tale. And it wasn't, yeah. he just, whatever it was, he, he wanted a baby maker. He wanted whatever, it, whatever it was. Yeah. 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 Um, and she didn't always handle herself brilliantly, but throughout the whole of the, th- I've had nothing but respect for her and she has fought her way back into a position of power and she's done it through hard fucking work. So I, always have mad props for Catherine, but I do not understand her obsession with Thomas Ravenel. I do not understand. No, no, it's there and I can see it, but I do not understand it. No, I don't either. I I, I don't either. And I know she's like, she lost her mom. I think there's probably a lot of emotional reasons why she feels very comfortable with Thomas at the moment. Um, but I hope once she kind of gets back to her badass self, she fucking just stops it. But I maybe just not. Maybe to it'll find always somebody. be there. You yeah, know, you just wanted yeah. to find a really decent guy, and she won't because she's not looking for that. Do you know what I mean? I think. No, I mean, I think. I mean, Leva says it later on in this in this episode, but I think Leva nails it. Like Catherine feels alive in the drama, and I did too in my twenties. I mean, yeah. let's be real. Like that. That is how you feel, and. I think until she can feel alive without it, she's not going to find that nice, decent dude, right? That's a really good point. I think you're absolutely right. Um, but they've got two beautiful children and she seems to yeah. be a great mom. And yeah. credit where credit's due, she's worked her ass off to get back from underneath fucking dictatorship rule from Thomas Ravenel. So I am here to watch Catherine. What I'm, but then this is the side of Catherine that yeah. I don't love. And this is where her age shows through because she never really had a proper chance to grow up. Right. It was like emergency grow up. It's like, fuck, I've got to fucking sort myself out. But there's these little remnants of old 20 year old Catherine. And this spreading this rumor about Jason having an affair is exactly the bit where I'm like, dude, babe, this is not, this is not what you need to be doing. No, I yelled at that TV so hardcore, like, (laughs) Bitch, shut your mouth. Shut <laughs> like, your dirty you mouth. You will not talk bad about Jason. Cam's husband is a saint. <laughs> well, hang on a minute. Let me just put this out there. Because I agree. But when Cameron, when uh, Catherine reads out Cameron's text messages, Cameron never says, this did not happen. She, said, this is, she never says this is bullshit. She's like, why are you talking about this on camera? Yeah. Well, and that's fair enough. I mean, Cam totally. has been on reality TV for a long time and maybe he's not a saint. Like 
from what I've seen out yeah, there, I he's agree. a great dude. But I think Cameron makes a point. Like, why the fuck are you talking about this on camera when I'm not even on the show? And like, she's not on the show. Yeah. She doesn't show to that party. Like, I think Cameron is putting a big distance between that because it couldn't have been easy on her on her life and her marriage to kind of put everything out there. And Jason has very deliberately not been on the show. He easily could have been. And she just had a baby. And I hate to harp on about it, but shit changes yeah. when you have a baby. You become a different person. Well, I mean, person. she had the baby Things on TV last she season. She did. And I'm sure she got a shitload of negative fucking feedback about her telling the truth about how it feels to be a new mom. And I loved her last season for yeah, doing that. Me I think too. that shit needs to be out there, but I'm sure she got fucking trolled. I'm sure Jason got a bunch of shit and you know, I understand her not wanting to be on the show anymore. And she um, really didn't like a lot of the behavior that went on no. amongst the cast members and Shep, you know, we're going to talk about Shep now, but I'd always had a really soft spot for Shep, but last season, Shep... He was a was nasty not asshole. not a nice guy. He was a nasty prick. And yeah. I get that there's something going on and I hope that he's changed. I hope that this girlfriend and the therapy that he's doing is helping. But I think that was probably a lot for Cam as well. She saw some really nasty behavior in a place where it had previously just always been quite fun like in her yeah. little section of the cast right her always and kind Shep of and light Craig, just yeah. light and fun and i think she really struggled last season and i think a lot of yeah. that was how shep behaved and treated people well and yeah and madison saying the stuff that shep had said about danny like just all that really gross horrific stuff um cam wasn't down for that and i totally get that and good for her for not being on the show and kind of living her life, but I definitely miss her. But I am glad her best friend Leva is there to fucking set shit straight. <laughs> and I, I am do loving not, Leva. I would never want to be in Catherine's shoes when Leva gets a hold of her about this rumor. No, me neither. Also, fucking Craig, I cannot, I cannot bear him. I cannot no. bear Craig. And it, and I don't care about the pillows. I don't kind of no. make as many. I like, I loved him for his sewing machine and his pillar like that. I can get right. on board with. He's just such a fucking loser. He's a little so gossip. He's a little bitch. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little bitch and I cannot bear it. No, no. He's like, shut up, Catherine. You shouldn't be saying that. Scuttle, 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 scuttle. Off to lever. <gasps> You'll never guess what Catherine said. Oh, fuck right, off. Right. If you're that morally offended, then don't fucking spread the rumor. Right, shut it down. right. Yeah. Shut it down. Yeah. Um, but it's just something about Craig that makes me want to smack him in his face. Oh. Do you know what I mean, like, though? Because he's a, like, because he lied. Loads he's a liar like he's a liar liar pants he's a massive liar he's just kind of wishy-washy yes he's Spineless. just a little bitch he's a little bitch that's all i can say about that's why him. we don't like him do you think he might be gay i don't know i don't know any self-respecting gay man that would claim him well that's true he's too good he's, too, he's the gays are too good for him I, I think he I think he comes from a very grounded, normal family in Delaware, kind of nothingsville, and I think he wants to be something, so I think he will do 
whatever it fucking like he's just like a social climber like those that's what he is he's a social he's completely disingenuous completely inauthentic he doesn't know who he is and it's really unattractive yeah i mean any dude who doesn't like know who they are is not an attractive dude like nobody who doesn't know who they are at their core is attractive like you want confidence in who they are i mean shep has a lot of fucking faults but he knows who he is yeah, a hundred percent. And that you're absolutely right. And he owns it. He understands that it's not the coolest thing. But he's like, this is who I yeah. am. You know what? And like, he's getting I, therapy. I so he's fund. gonna fig and he's gonna figure some of that shit out. Good and for him. And he owns that shit. But with but you're absolutely right with Craig, he he doesn't he just doesn't have any idea and he's icky and Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's that like he's, ugh. Yeah. It makes my skin crawl. It makes my skin crawl too. I'm and it's glad annoying. Naomi got out me of that too. relationship. She, me too. She was sweet. I liked Naomi. I did too. Um, and then we have Shep's party, the Dumb and Dumber theme, which I listen. It's been a long time since I've watched Dumb and Dumber. But I think if you're going to do a theme, you need to fucking go all out. Like there right? should have been like a big shaggy dog bus in the front. Like everybody should have been wearing baby blue and orange. Like if you're going to do a fucking theme, do the fucking theme. Don't like put on a frilly shirt and half ass it. Shep. He half asses everything. Yeah. Or he doesn't ass it at all. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's just yeah. so, and the Miss Patricia sat there with a drink in her hand and no fucking food. Just feed your guests throw a fucking party don't be a dick about it no she makes the best point ever if you're gonna get your guests hammered you better fucking offer them some food feed them like, we can't be reckless here well and it's not like shep babe you can't afford to fucking feed them right right Just feed well if them. you can't afford to feed people don't have a fucking party don't have a party um Anyway, so yet again, there's more drama in this party. Now, Shep and Madison have a long, long running feud, for, which yes. frankly, neither of them behaved very well Ugh. over last season. I just want to fucking it, knock their heads together. It's stupid too. It is stupid. I mean, ultimately, I think Patricia nails it. Like Shep had a thing for Madison. She fucking shot him down and it's been on since then. Shep does not like to be turned down. And no. so there's nothing Madison can ever do. Well, and Madison doesn't stroke better. his ego either. Like she's like, no, no she doesn't fuck care. You. Like she challenges him. And yeah, he, I'm a grown up, and he doesn't like it because in his world, yeah. men are in charge and women are demure. And she's not that person. Right. She's like, no, don't fucking come at me. I'll come back at you. And women yeah. don't do that to Shep. So he doesn't right. know how to handle her. So he tries to cut her down and undermine her, which I think he tries to do again in this party. You're giving Shep more of a more I am. credit, which which is fine yeah i think he knows that madison and peter have slept together and while i don't think it was necessary i don't think it was the point of the party i think he knew yeah whereas i i guess i'm trying i am trying to look for the better in him i'm a kid of divorced parents so i am a natural born placator but um (laughs) I think, because I think if anything else, it really just hurt Liz. Like, it didn't fucking hurt Madison. Peter, it didn't, I mean, it hurt Peter in the fact that his wife was pretty fucking pissed off. But, and I don't know if he would do that to Liz. Like, does that make sense? Like, that's a yeah. really shitty thing to do to your friend's wife. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the other thing is, I have to say, I don't understand these massively jealous, insecure women that get really no. mad 
that another woman that your partner or boyfriend slept with before you were even going out is in the room. Like, I just don't oh. get it. I don't either. And I mean, I thought Liz made a really big deal out of nothing, of something that was not a big deal. Like, if so had they had an a one affair, night stand, different, like, different story. If it was yesterday, it would be an issue and you have every right to fucking act that way. You but weren't before you were together, they had a one night stand. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. I don't. I, I don't care about shit like that. I could not care less. Genuinely couldn't care less. No, I find it no. astonishing. It blows my mind that grown yeah, women Yeah, I don't understand like it at all. Um, anyway. But listen. another one of Shep's friends show up in the form of John Pringle. Now, listen, I, I'm going to put out a prediction. I have a strong suspicion that I might start having dirty dreams about John Pringle. Of course. I mean, the way he sings, like him with the guitar was very hot. I mean, we all I know love- that I'm a sucker for a man with a guitar. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> Sorry about that. But I love how like Patricia is just like trying to mastermind <laughs> this whole John Pringle Madison connection. Like she's already talking to Madison like, well, he's got a seven-year-old and you have a seven-year-old and well, you I guys think she's need to right. do play dates. A hundred percent. Madison needs a real dude. And John is a real dude. I agree. I mean, I think he's kind of an asshole as well. Like I imagine he sleeps with most people. He meets a bit of a shep. But but I do think that a man with two kids is more suitable for Madison than fucking Austin, who's wearing that ridiculous dressing gown, living with fucking Craig, bitching about laundry and waking up at like 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, Um, man. No, I'm, I can't. And also, I cannot wait to be Patricia's age and get, oh my be able God. to just I, get away with that shit. If I could live in this like beautiful Southern home in, in any place and have a butler like Michael who can literally make any drink on command and is super lovely, even to the point he will wear your dogs in the front of his little apron like a little baby carrier, I want her life. I, mean, I, I would sit around just, wearing glamorous moo's, drinking bourbon sours and martinis at 5 p.m. Very, very Can we easily. start a petition to get Michael and Patricia together? I don't, I don't. I think that they are secretly each other's companions for life. And I think they're companions for life, but I don't think the sexual chemistry is there. <laughs> I think oh. his sexual chemistry goes elsewhere. I mean, I suspect you might be right, but I adore michael and patricia their their life dynamic is beautiful it is and he he takes so much pride in his work and she is i don't know i listen yeah i want to be as badass as patricia is when i'm older i want to get to that point where i can take somebody aside who is with somebody else and tell them that they should be with somebody else because nobody's going to get pissed at me because i'm a a hundred and (laughs) five And I I know what's up. And I know what's up. I've been round the block a few times. And Patricia has been round the block a few times. She has been married quite a few times. Um, Yes. Yes, she has. Um, Anyway, I'm excited to see. uh, I think John Pringle and Madison, I I think he's going to cause all sorts of waves in there. And I think Austin is going to have to fucking own why she's interested in him up his fucking game. A hundred percent. I mean, I felt like there were sparks that night. I felt Catherine was sniffing around a little bit at John as well, trying Mm -hmm. to get in there. 
Um, I think, but I think John, I think Madison is more John's speed. John and Catherine Catherine terrifies me. That terrifies me. Yeah. Mostly for John. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. John's (laughs) been, John knows a different level. (laughs) Catherine is a different level. Like God love her. She's different level. Yeah. Um, but it will be exciting. Let's see how the season plays out. I, I'm I'm not 100% in because Cam's not there and I loved Cam, but I'm willing to be proved wrong. Yeah, I, th- I think the more we see of Leva, at least from like the the clips from what's coming in the season, I think Leva is going to bring some racial truths yes. to the group. And Catherine's going to get the not sharp f- end of her tongue on that. Yeah, I, I think I think Leva is going to be our fucking voice of reality in this magical land where people never never grow up so and have we'll endless see. bottomless bank accounts <laughs> uh so that's us for this week thank you once yeah. again we uh were hoping to record the below deck reunion minnesota today but uh for some reason the uk is not getting the second part of that until next week so it will be a little later than initially planned but you will get it of course um we've also got potentially some quite exciting interviews a guest episode yeah. lined up so you know, there's lots and lots going on. And in the meantime, we haven't done it already. But please, please, if you are listening and you haven't, please go and rate and review now. It really helps. It's literally the only thing that we ask of you. Yeah, we got some really great ones in um, this week. And I was going to have it all queued up. And of course, um, I don't. But um, let me see if I can pull them up really quickly. Sorry, I know this is kind of last minute. I should have been better prepared. But um Listen, do, you don't stress yeah. out about it. It's fine. You take your time. Oh, I can hear. Oh, no, it doesn't show. I think they were two from the UK, so they won't show on my phone, but they show up on um, the little report that I get. So I, I don't have them with me. But for those of you who have recently reviewed, we've read them. They were lovely. Thank they you were. so much. They, they really make doing this every week possible and fun and exciting so thank you for taking the time to do that the rest of you lot get on it yes do it now before you have to do anything else and uh, we will be back next week of course but in the meantime remember smart people watch reality tv too bye-bye bye Please subscribe, rate, and review TV My Husband Hates wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TV My Husband Hates and join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going when the podcast ends. If Twitter's your thing, you'll find us at TV Husbands Hate. The music and production for TV My Husband Hates by Jimmy Sims.